بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam first any initial questions thoughts comments reflections on anything that we've been covering so far okay blank stairs and black screens uh second point with uh, a few of you have been having some ongoing discussions about struggles with ayahs like the polygamy ayah and if uh, those of you who have not had those conversations with are also having similar struggles one point i'd like you to consider is that the struggles you have within your heart about some matters of the dean even if you like we said keep it on the shelf it's still in you and one more than you realize you might overcompensate to cover that up you might overcompensate that with other actions okay and the same way I may have given you an example a couple classes ago I don't know if it was in this class or the other class of the the trauma physician who was in a car accident lost his child right before his eyes she died in this car accident and he was pinned he couldn't help her and then his way of coping with that pain was to become super militant. Okay. Very, very common formula. But if there are things within the Dean that you are struggling with, then you will somewhere else in your practice, in your life, find yourself overcompensating for that struggle. But what will then happen is your children consciously or unconsciously will inherit the same thing and uh they will not have as much spiritual tools or resources to defend themselves against those struggles and then their children will inherit as well and they will have even less and so the point i'm making is that the issues within yourself your struggles with the dean that you don't address your child and your grandchild will inherit them but you might stay within the dean but your grandchild may not so having said that as an exercise what i encourage you is if you have a struggle with you know an ayah or a hadith or a collection of ayahs or hadith first step list all of them out so if you struggle with the polygamy ayah you might struggle with other ayahs related to to gender matters you know that a woman's witness you know two women versus one man things like that you might uh struggle with other hadith narrations like i saw more women in hell than men or women are less intelligent than men my suggestion as a serious exercise for the sake of your spirituality in the long term is list them all out and then from there, I can give you later steps, you know, related to looking for patterns or looking for how to resolve those those challenges and such. If you don't do it, if you, so to speak, keep it under the rug or keep it on the shelf, your child will inherit it from you. And then their child might inherit it from them, but your child may not have, may or may not have as much spiritual resources to uh, to persevere and their child might have less especially in terms of modern life and how life changes so fast okay having said that 
uh, one of the questions that I left us with was when we're going through the Quran, to whom is Allah speaking? Who is the first audience? Uh, those of you who are in the uh, the five o'clock class, we've already discussed this on the first day, but those of you in this class, how would you answer this question? To Prophet. whom? Well, I heard a voice. Uh, Prophet, peace be upon So the first audience of the Quran is the Prophet himself, peace be upon him. Right, and this becomes an important point to consider. We often say that the first gen the first audience is the first generation. Not wrong, but more accurate. More accurate is that the first audience or target of the Quran is the Prophet himself. So. Now, why is this important? Because in his context, the Quran is speaking directly to him in that exact moment in his life. And all of us know this. We may not uh, identify as directly at this point. So every ayah in the Quran is speaking specifically to the Prophet, peace be upon him, about his context. And then, okay, easy question. Secondarily, who's the, who's the Quran speaking to? Us. Before us. Fresh. So essentially his generation. Of Arabs primarily. Which primarily is the Quraysh, yes. You know, or the Arabs of the Arabian Peninsula, depending upon where we are in, in uh the story. Hijaz. So yeah, by extension, Hijaz and by extension, um, all the rest of, of Arabia, but primarily his generation of Arabs. So and then after that, then yeah, Hamid's point, everyone else. Okay. So each step we are lower on this uh this chain means more interpretation takes place so the entirety of the quran is allah speaking to the prophet peace be upon him no filter i mean the filter is you know the prophet can't see the you know, can't see god with the generation however there'll be moments when there's some amount of interpretation usually the interpretation is clarification so, for example, Allah says uh, that you have to perform Hajj if you are able. And then a companion asks, okay, does that mean we have to go every year if we're able? Right. So there might be some clarification, commentary, boundaries applied to the ayah that the Prophet already knows or may have been told by Jibreel, by Angel Gabriel, alayhi salam. But then when you go to level three, all of us, then there's much interpretation that is necessary. And the easiest example of that is uh, uh, how many native Arab speakers do we have in this class? We have Olfat, Sabrine, um, whether or not you actually know Arabic is a different question. Um, and so we have a few native Arabic speakers. All the rest of us are not in Hanin. Uh, all the rest of us are, are not. So automatically we need translation. Oh, Nur. How could I forget Nur? Yeah. Right. With a surah named Nur. Okay. So this is all reference to moments that we've had in class. Uh, so the point here is that the easiest proof 
of the necessity for translation is or interpretation is the fact that we need translation even to access uh, uh, the text. So thus that applies to all the passages. So, so bringing us then, Horam, uh, were you about to say something? No, I'm sorry, I should put mute. That's all good, okay. So for example, when we're reading through these passages, then we especially would need clarification on context, clarification on relevance, application, all those things. So when it says wa'atu, this is plural. So you should all give women their marriage gift and so forth and so on. Okay. Now, bring us to the next ayah. Do not entrust, do not give to the fools okay, of your wealth, which Allah has made for you. Okay. And for what to basically for you to get through your life and such and as sustenance, but provide for them, okay, with it, clothe them, speak to them kindly. Okay. Now, first let's just look at the passage itself. When people are coming to you asking out of need, asking out of want, uh, if they're in your assessment feeble-minded. And we can get into discussion of what that means. Don't give them your money that you need for yourself. But feed them, clothe them, and everything. If you give them money, they're probably just going to spend it. Uh, but rather give them clothing, give them food, all of those things. Okay. But at the very, very least, speak kindly to them. Okay. Any questions just about the instruction itself? I think the instruction is pretty straightforward. Anything? Okay. Uh, I don't know if... How do we define the weak-minded or... So this was this is going to become your assessment in the moment. This becomes very subjective. Yeah. So, for example, if I'm standing, you know, like two blocks away, and someone comes to me smelling really bad, their clothes are completely dirty, and they have no manners. I'm probably going to assume that they're an undergrad student, right? Yeah. Whereas uh, someone else might think, okay, they're homeless. So you're going to subjectively make an assumption. Yeah. And so the first principle is out of the wealth that you need for yourself, you don't give that. So you're going to be giving out of your excess. Okay. And then the recommendation is food and clothing. This way you don't have fear that they're just going to take the money and spend it on booze or whatever. Okay. Are you committing a sin if you give this person money not knowing how they're going to spend it? And so let's say you don't know this, but they spend it on alcohol. Are you committing a sin? No, you are not. Your intention was to help them. What they do with the money is different. Even if you didn't say anything to them, so you are getting rewarded for giving it to them, and you're hoping that they use it for a good purpose. Second question, if you give them wealth out of money you need, let's say you haven't eaten, and you instead give them your money, based on this ayah, are you committing a sin? 
No. This is a recommendation. But the point being that uh, you might be, if you're taking money away from your child, away from your wife, away from your family, that you needed to, the money to provide for them, then you might potentially be considered committing a sin. So the difference is, whatever you are saying, I will give up on, you may not have the right to require your family member to give up as well. But we do have examples of that. We have Abu Bakr who is giving all of his wealth away. We have Omar giving half of his wealth away. But what's also built into that? They're both planning to still earn. So it's not like they left their families broke as much as they're probably going to go out and earn the next day so people have food. But they're still requiring that their family live on very similar minimal means. Zishan. Assalamualaikum, sir. How are you? Uh, so specifically for this one, uh, th this is a recommendation for the individual. And how does it factor in Islamic polity? Oh, wonderful question. I mean, we can extend this to like a utopian ideal Islamic polity where this is sort of calling for the establishment of endowments. Waqf where you are establishing institutions with which to provide for, for those who are in need. It could be government institutions like we have in the United States, or it could be independent non-governmental institutions. Um, this would be something that would be calling for something like that, yeah. Make sense? Yes. Very good. Any other questions about this? Yes. Uh, Hamid and then Olfat. And then Zichan, if you have a follow-up question, yeah. Uh, how do we differentiate between, so when Allah says, uh, and then says not to do something, how do we differentiate between it's sinful to do that thing or it's more, it's a recommendation? Wonderful question. This is usually the, the conversation, uh, you know, over the history of the generations. You know, uh, sometimes there are tools in the ayah that give us a hint. Uh, very often it's harder to see just with the Arabic because it's just the, the imperative form, don't do this, right? Uh, but the basic point being that this is this becomes if the Prophet himself, peace be upon him, or the Sahaba are not answering, is this a command or this is a recommendation? Usually they're not. Then it's just the, the generations of discourse that are saying, yeah, this seems more like a recommendation than a hard and fast rule. Sometimes you can conclude that just by using your intellect. Meaning, would I be committing a sin if I gave money to somebody in need? Uh, that sounds preposterous to think that that's a sin. Right? Just using what we would call common sense. Make sense? Yes. Olfat, wherever you are. It was uh, the same question. So. Okay. Thank okay. you. Very good. Good. And then, uh, okay, any other questions so far? Okay, what I want to draw your attention to, however, is as we're going through these ayahs, we're also laying out relationships again, right? And so I don't think I've written them uh, in the notes. Steaming through the notes for the past couple of days. No, okay, so when we have... 
the relationships as outlined in this surah. What do we have so far? In the first ayah, we have you with all humanity. That, right, we're all coming from the same source. And then we have you with mothers, and then by extension, your family, your relatives. Okay. And we have obligations and such to them. And then when we go to ayah 2, we have orphans. And then ayah 3, within orphans, we have orphan girls. Okay. And we also have wives. Okay. And then with wives, this is uh, the, the, the marriage gift. Okay. So we're going to revisit all this in terms of what's being taught about wealth. And then now we have essentially the feeble-minded. Again, what are we speaking about when we're saying feeble-minded? We're saying people who don't have the self-control in terms of what to do with their wealth. Right. We're not talking about somebody dumb. Okay. Uh, someone who, if you give them money, they can't help it, but then they're just going to spend it. They're going to go buy something. Not good for them. Okay. Which again becomes in the moment, it becomes something very subjective. Okay. So if we then, uh, Ahant. Um, um, yeah. like a very quick question. Well, it's not a in the second area, um, you kind of like mentioned that. Um, it's like the relationship between you, our friend, our friend, girl, and then like wife, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that like the weakest? No. Okay. No, I think it's uh, we're just laying it all out. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 did you also have a question? No, no. Okay, okay. Very good. Yeah. In the chat box, it says there's messages, but I don't see any messages here. So I don't know if anybody typed any messages that I can't see. Okay, so yeah, that's an important point. This is not uh, listing them as strongest to weakest as much as things to be aware of. But we can evaluate from here that orphans are the weakest in society and orphan girls are the weakest among the orphans, right? And so if we start splitting it up among all humanity... We have obligations to uh, uh, family. Well, let's even say mothers and family. Could you uh, scroll up? I think yeah. Okay. yeah, sorry about that. No, you're good. Thank you. Mothers and family. And then we have wives. So. And then for people outside family, we have orphans, orphan girls, and then the feeble, we're going to call them feeble for our purposes here. So feeble-abled is sort of what's being emphasized in the aisle. Okay, 
So the point I want you to think about is as we go through the surah, it's laying out a vision of society. And that's why I suggested in, I think, the second class, the name, well, the first class I said the names of the surahs are basically for the purpose of identification, not summary. But if we call the surah family, you know, or family and society, the whole surah will start to make much more sense. Okay, and the primary thing that's also being spoken of in terms of obligations, we have what to do with your wealth and what to do with your tongue. Right. How to use your wealth and then how to speak to people. That's what we see in the ayah, for example. Uh, that, all right, feed them, clothe them, but when you speak to them, be kind. The kindness, as we're going to see, is a default for speaking with everyone, but especially those who are powerless. Very easy to speak kindly to someone who has power and power over us. And it's very easy to not speak kindly to to people who are feeble-minded. This is actually a rejoinder for me. Uh, so, you know, dressed in Western clothes in Mecca and Medina, I was a, I was a, a target for beggars, right? You know, every other day somebody was coming up to me. One person came up with a PDF on their phone that they needed, you know, $650 to pay for their dad's surgery, heart surgery. In my head, I was like, $650, bro, for heart surgery? At least you should have lowered it, you know, to like a tooth removal or something, you know? Um and and so you know i helped them whatever capacity not out of nobleness maybe maybe it was to get them off my back you know i'd have to go back and think of my intentions in the moment uh but uh one person you know this 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 dude he was he was so good you know came to me sat with me he was really polite and then he said uh, in urdu he's saying to me i don't have any room or lodging in mecca uh and i forgot if he told me if it was stolen or it's just lost right and then he started crying in my head i've seen so many people cry on contact right at right you know at the exact perfect moment i was like man this guy is such a good performer like his tears almost seemed genuine and all that that i was doing was completely wrong yeah yeah thank you thank you for the kleenex yeah i got a, a new box of kleenex here and then i gave him money and i don't know how many reals i gave him but he's like no i need 500 reals and then he started crying more. I have no home. I, nobody loves me. Blah, 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 blah. And then I patted him on the back, right? Which may have felt like I was giving him support, but I was actually saying wrongly, owning up to this, that, bro, you're good. good. And then I got up and I walked away and I sat down somewhere else. And then I look and then who's sitting next to me? Same guy saying, I need 500 reals, right? And I was like, bro, I can't help you. Still spoke kindly to him, still fulfilled the ayah, but the thoughts in my head were very, very negative. And so that's the point to consider, that it's very, very easy for us to think and speak, you know, very politely to people who have power over us, but those who are coming to us in need. He, what is probably, possibly his story, Maybe he is broke. Maybe he lost all his wealth. And nobody is listening to him unless he starts crying. Boom. 
and whatever the case, uh, whatever the case may be. But I was like, bro, you know, I was not as respectful in my head to him as I should have been okay. at Medina. Okay. So after he left, I was thinking, wow, that was literally a lot talking to me just now, you know. So for the other people who came to me asking for help, like the guy, you know, with the dad's heart condition, I was still much more conscious of being nice, even though facts seem kind of strange. Rami is asking, how is kindness conceptualized Islamically? Uh, I think the question is more complicated than the answer. Uh, how would you answer that question? Here, I'll give you one little element of it. Uh, we should never take away a person's dignity. Okay. Any other thoughts? Uh, how would you answer Romeo's question? Either Romeo yourself or anybody else here in the class. How would you conceptualize kindness? I don't I don't think I have a conceptualization. I think not in a, in a cognitive sense. I think I can just feel when, like, in my heart, if I'm being sincerely kind or if there's some kind of, like, irritation or, like, some other underlying feeling that's, like, motivating my behavior. Mm-hmm. So think back, uh, I forgot if it was in this class or in the other class, when the prophet, peace be upon him, is being corrected by Allah for the blind man. And the point being that the blind man, can, the prophet frowns at the blind man, right? And did we talk about it in this class or was it in the other class? It was in this class, yeah? So the point being that not only did the blind man not see the prophet's frown, if I was standing in front of the prophet, peace be upon him, I would have probably not seen the frown either, that he has such a happy face, right? I'd probably just be in awe by his face anyway. But, uh, and so the point being that uh, what the prophet felt, however, he was then corrected for. And so there's an element of kindness. The bare minimum of kindness would be what the person is receiving from you. And for that, you want to make sure not to remove any of their dignity. Um, and then beyond that, I think just we inherently know that the disposition would be one of rahmah. Right. But to take it deeper, then we should extend it to what's taking place within ourselves. That if I'm feeling irritation, should I, am I justified in feeling this irritation? Because this person may not know any better. Just like when students come to my office and sometimes you know, they're just completely wasting my time. And I have to remind myself, all right, this person's 18 years old. This person's 20 years old. They don't know any better. Thank you. I appreciate it. Can anybody hear the violin play? Uh, Sadia, you were about to say something. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that frown was even physical. Maybe it was just mental. Could have just been a look. Yeah. Yeah, because that Allah recognized only not every anybody could see it so. exactly exactly so so the point being it was not like some big angry face um and yeah, so basically um basically and to the point you were making earlier <coughs> own story like be conscious of not just what's on your face but also in your head mm-hmm. so that's you know the, that's how i'm taking that example mm-hmm. as the the example of the prophet I would say absolutely, especially in the context of someone seeking excellence. If someone's seeking a passing grade, then what people should receive from you is kindness. But if someone is seeking excellence, then their disposition inside should also be one of kindness. 
But, I, but in your mind, yeah, go ahead. So in your mind, it could be honesty too, right? So, so if if that on honesty in your mind is can be translated into a gesture which is not uh, pleasant, then you, from the outside at least, you to you behave kindly. But again, you are still honest in your mind about the behavior of the person, like in your example, right? Um, in Medina, so. It is. It depends upon the situation. It definitely depends on the situation. Uh, but I'd say even what you feel inside. The, the question is, um, can uh, is it a choice to feel this way? So uh, some of you have heard from me. My favorite favorite line in the Bible, um, and there's a hadith where the prophet peace be upon him is saying almost exactly what Jesus says on the cross. Jesus is, you know, while the people are going after him, persecuting him, crucifying him. He's saying, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing, right? And there's an almost identical hadith where the prophet, peace be upon him, is saying the same thing about the people, you know, forgive them, Yadab, they don't know what they're doing, right? And if we can take that approach in community work uh, and in dealing with people, uh, I think it can be uh, very, very uh, uh, beneficial, very positive approach, but also very therapeutic, right? Like in community work, for example, you will see every single type of contradiction, every single type of hypocrisy. Um, and more often than not, people actually just don't know any better. And so I can choose to be frustrated or I can choose to think, okay, yeah, they honestly don't know any better. You know, some some horrendous crime could be committed and people are just standing by not doing anything. And you would think, okay, they should do something, they should say something. A lot of times people really actually just don't know any better. You know. uh, Jewel says, if you have good thoughts, they will shine out your face like sunbeams and you will always look very lovely. Ah, beautiful quote. Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl sounds like he would actually have really cool quotes like that. So thank you. Roald Dahl is one of, well, Jenna's not here. Roald Dahl is one of the first authors that I forced them to all read with me. Okay. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections on any of this? So, um, so if you are being kind on the outside, but really in the heart, you are frustrated or, you know, annoyed. Um, it's almost like if you had a chance, you're going to be rolling your eyes or something like that. So isn't it like pretense? And would it really count as kindness? Wouldn't really. So you mentioned that if somebody is seeking excellence, they should, I mean, it should be the same outside or the inside should be the same right but wouldn't it be hypocrisy wouldn't it would not be, be hypocrisy though no but like uh, because meaning if uh if uh, they're still giving kindness uh even though inside they want to punch the person in the throat uh then sorry I'm using chicago language so uh they're still getting a passing grade but if they're seeking an A plus, then it would also be kindness within. And the easiest way to turn frustration to kindness is to pray for them. So yeah, so basically, at least you had a choice to use your tongue badly, but you didn't, and you were exactly. still being kind. So you are you getting a passing rate? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? 
I just had a, a quick reflection on Ahmed, yes. The the verse Abbas yes. I've heard it explained in that uh when the mistake, quote unquote, of a prophet is when they do something good, but they could have done something better. That works. And I feel yeah, it's uh that's something that we can all strive for, as you were saying, the the A plus versus the Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very nice point, mashallah. Any other thoughts or reflections? All righty. So we will stop here, inshallah. We'll continue with, with the same ayah. And then, reminder, we have class tomorrow, Monday, not Tuesday. Yes, Wednesday, not Thursday. Yes, Friday. Tuesday, Thursday, no class, inshallah. And uh, I have all the recordings up up to yesterday. And then I will try to put up today's recordings soon, too, inshallah. And the link of this uh, SharePoint do we have that link? SharePoint. Well, this is big terminology. I'm no, not no, sure. Uh, oh, the notes. Note. Uh, let me. Yeah, let me figure out how how to do that. Okay. Because uh, this is this is in like a notebook, which with all kinds of other notes. Inshallah. Yeah. Wow, that was heavy duty terminology. Inshallah. Okay. Any other questions about anything else? Where, where can we find the recordings? Uh, SoundCloud.com/slash Omar Muzaffar. And that has resulted in me being the butt of many jokes by these first and second years that I use SoundCloud and I don't rap. So, okay. No other questions, thoughts, reflections, inshallah? We will then continue, inshallah, tomorrow. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashadu illa ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashadu illa ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, nashadu illa ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah Ta'ala reward you all, inshallah, and we'll see you, inshallah, tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.